welcome. Uh, good to see uh, many faces again. What a privilege to gather in this spot every Sunday. Um, many of you have been doing this for many years in the same spot. Others of you newer. I uh, hope that you get to just uh, recognize there's probably other new people around you, and so don't just wait for people to talk to you. Go talk to people. Um, uh, do that for sure afterwards. It's such a joy to be a part of the body. Thank God for this church family. It really is family because God calls it that because it feels like that. We, uh, this is, so this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and so a lot of you have expressed appreciation, and I, I love that that you do that not just like, oh, it's the month, i got to say a thing, uh, or write a card. Like, you've given us cards and gifts, and we're so thankful for that. You show your appreciation in many different ways. I did get, uh, one of the expressions of appreciation has come from kids. All the kids in Sunday school a couple weeks ago uh, filled out this sheet, and then it was like bound and uh, put in here for me. So there's things in this book that say things like, I think the best thing about Jesus is... In the very first page, I think the best thing about Jesus is that he died on the cross for our sins. Amen. Praise God for that. So I love just being encouraged by reading this. Uh, People also put in here, there's a blank that said, uh, at our church, I have learned. So one child writes, at our church, I have learned how to pray. Praise God for that. Another one writes this, at our church, I have learned to potty before church. Amen. (laughs) Right? We have a bathroom crisis Everybody needs to learn to do that. That would be great. Also, uh, I think this is a preschooler. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. At our church, I have learned to get a donut right away. Uh, Don't mess around. Don't come late. Get a donut right away. Uh, I love hearing uh, just from kids. I love the way that, um, just so thankful for the way that you love me and our family. Another thing I thank God for, I thank God for, uh, for books. Um, just a picture up on the screen of a shelf. So when you go out there and you sign up and say, yes, I'm coming to the harvest meal, notice that there is a Pastor's Picks bookshelf. Uh, on the very bottom, there are some things there that you could take uh, for free. But the upper shelves have books that uh, me and Pastor Nick have said, this, this would benefit our body if more people were reading these books. So I mentioned one of them in the sermon last week. Go ahead and take those. We ask for a $10 donation just to cover the cost of some of those things. There's books there for kids. There's a kid's commentary on the book of Luke and Acts, like a devotional commentary. That would be a great resource. It's called The Treasure. There's another thing uh, that's, oh man, can I see it on there? Promised Hope, that other book there, that's for kids. That's like a kid's uh, version of the gospel according to Luke. If your kids are like in elementary school, that would be a great tool for them. Uh, stuff for kids, stuff for adults, go ahead, uh, check that out on your way out. Um, all right, that's Jeremy's announcements and thank yous and that kind of stuff. Let's get to the Word. If you have a Bible with you, open up to Luke chapter 8. Now, if you had the privilege uh, of being a kid who was raised in the church. There are certain stories in the Bible that you probably know better than others because there just seem to be really fit for teaching to kids even as young as preschool. The, the story that we're looking at today is one of those stories. We're going to see today Jesus in a boat with his disciples when a dangerous storm comes up. It's only four verses that we're looking at today. And as we have lately been walking through the gospel according to Luke, verse by verse, we have seen a focus on a couple of really big questions. The first question is, who is Jesus? 
When Pastor Nick preached a few weeks ago in the middle of chapter 7, the question was, is he the Christ or is there someone else still coming? The very next week I was preaching and we saw the question when Jesus forgave sins. Who is this, people asked, who even forgives sins? That was in chapter 7, verse 49. And then the, cha- the, the focus in chapter 8 has been on the second big question, that is, how do people respond to Jesus? So who is Jesus, and how do people respond to him? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the soils, and then last week, looking at Jesus' command to take care how we hear. Today, we're going to see Jesus do something that requires a response. Part of the response will be to wonder who Jesus is. In the weeks ahead, we're going to see Jesus revealed as the one who has authority over demons. That's next week. As the one who has authority over disease and death. That's the week after. But today, we're going to see Jesus revealed as the one who has power over dangers. Here's the big idea today. As we see and fear dangerous storms, we must look to Jesus and put our faith in and fear him who has power to rescue the perishing. As we jump into Luke chapter 8 today, Jesus and his disciples are in a literal boat in a literal storm. And while we may not be, I know we're not, we're not in a boat right now, we're not in the middle of a storm right now, but we all are, we are all affected by powerful forces beyond our control. Droughts, tornadoes, fires, accidents, the economy, markets, politics, war, all of these things often on our minds, things that are powerful, things that affect us, but things outside of our control. We have questions like, what do we do when we face dangers outside of our control? What do we do when we look at the world around us and what we mostly see seems like chaos and things that bring about fear? What do we do? We'll see that, I think, as we look through Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. If you're able to, please stand and we'll read the very word of God. Let's pray. God, help us. Help us to hear something that might be familiar enough that we've heard it many times and help us to hear in it what you desire for us to hear. Give us ears to hear. Help us to take care how we hear. And and remind us of what is true about us and what is true about you and what is true about the world we see around us. I'm not capable of getting that into heads and hearts, but you are, and so I pray that you'd work by your Spirit now as I preach, and right now as we read your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 8, beginning in verse 22 and just going to verse 25. One day, he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger, and they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, 
and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. You can be seated. Begin as the disciples and Jesus are in a boat and they see a storm. Jesus, it says right here at the beginning, one day gets in a boat with his disciples. That might cause them to flash back and us to flash back to Luke chapter 5. You might recall that four of the appointed apostles of Jesus were once professional fishermen. In fact, when Jesus called them to be his disciples, they had been in their boats all night, we read in Luke chapter 5, but they had caught nothing. Jesus gets into the boat, asks them to push it out a little bit. Peter, in that moment, calls him master, lets them know, well, we've tried that. We were out fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. Jesus says, let down your nets for a catch, and they do it. And you remember what happens. A miraculous catch, so much so that Peter and Andrew have to call over James and John, the other two fishermen partners with them. And the professional fishermen now have two boats filled with so many fish that the boats begin to sink. We read about that in chapter 5, verse 7 is when the boats are sinking. And we find out that that was the day that these four professional fishermen left everything to follow Jesus. Well, they've been with him for some time now. He now has many disciples, both men and women, and he's appointed 12 of the men to be his apostles. Among the 12 apostles are four of these professional fishermen, and they're back in a boat again. And Jesus lets them know that he has in mind a destination. They're not just going to push out from shore a bit, they're going to go all the way across the lake of Genezareth or the Sea of Galilee, which we find out from other sources, other accounts, that this is where they are. It's the same body of water that they were on when they first were called by Jesus. Now it's good that four of the disciples were professional fishermen because of the way that the Sea of Galilee is set up. It's interesting, it's 700 feet below sea level. There's hills on the east and hills on the west, and what would often happen is warm air would come over one hill and cold air over another hill, and seemingly out of nowhere, as those two fronts hit each other, dangerous storms could crop up. There wasn't really such a thing as like hanging out recreation on the water. Only fishermen would go out on the water, and they would go there and knew how to handle storms like those that would come up on the Sea of Galilee. So it's good for everybody else that four of the disciples are professional expert fishermen. No doubt, one of the fishermen is probably steering the boat, another of them manning the sails, all of them with an eye to the weather. I kind of imagine somebody like Matthew, who was not used to being on the sea. He was a tax collector. He's probably doing like a Sudoku puzzle in the stern somewhere. And out of nowhere, a storm is going to come. But another thing to note is that Jesus, who is fully God, but also fully man, is tired 
And so he is not helping steer or man the sails or anything like that. He's sleeping. And that's when out of nowhere the storm hits. I wonder if at first when that storm hit, that the less experienced men there on the boat just assumed that the experts would take care of it. Maybe they hunkered down and watched them do their work. But as the wind picks up and the waves are no longer just rocking the boat, they are crashing into the boat. No longer just crashing into the boat, but coming up over the boat. The boat now, not just on top of the water, but the boat seemingly in the water. Water filling the boats. I wonder what the other disciples thought when they looked at the face of the experts and they see that the experts are scared. They're scrambling. They're barking orders, yelling so that their voices can be heard over the noise of the wind and the waves. Some struggling to control the sails. Others doing anything they can, using anything they can to bail water that's filling up the boat. They were in danger. Even the experts knew it. You've been in one of those moments, maybe, where a thousand thoughts can flood your mind. Maybe the expert fishermen are thinking of fishermen friends who they lost on these seas when a storm like this came up. Maybe they're all thinking about their families back home, not knowing that the last time they said goodbye to them is probably going to be their final goodbye. The storm rages, rain blowing sideways, boat filling with water, and they're thinking this is it. We know they're thinking that because of what they say. But before they say something, they have to remember. They have to remember that there's another one in the boat who's not busy manning the sails, who's not busy bailing out water. He's not barking orders. He's not planning to die. He's not even worried. In fact, he's sleeping. And so they scream at him, Master, Master, we are perishing. That's their assessment of the situation. Not like, hey, we could use a little hand here. No, they're crying out in fear because they think the next thing that's going to happen to them is death. They're about to be destroyed. Master, master, we are perishing. That's the same thing that Peter called Jesus when they first met in the boat, master. But this time their boat is not sinking with a miraculous catch of fish. Their boat is sinking in the middle of a storm because it is filling up with water. So they say it like they see it. We are perishing. They see the storm and their expectation is they're not going to make it. They've seen the storm and its power and they've come in their fear to Jesus. And now they're going to get to see Jesus and his power. That's the second half of the passage, seeing Jesus. There in the middle of Luke chapter 8 verse 24 We read this, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. When Jesus wakes up, he doesn't grab a bucket. He doesn't start to tell people what to do. He doesn't start worrying. He wakes up, and he rebukes. He speaks with authority to the howling wind and the raging waves. And the winds stop howling. And the waves stop raging. 
The storm doesn't gradually die down over the course of the next hour. In an instant, the winds and the waves obey the voice of the one who called them into existence. I wonder if the disciples looked down at the water, the water they thought was going to be their grave, the water they thought was going to swallow them up, and now they look down at the water, flat as glass. I wonder if they look down at the water, seeing their reflections, their hair dripping wet, jaws still dropped at what they just saw happen. It says that Jesus answers, asks them a question in that moment. Did you see that in verse 25? He said to them, where is your faith? We don't have any recorded answer. Maybe, maybe they were ashamed of what their answer would have to be. <laughs> maybe they would have to say, well, my faith was in those four fishermen. They're the experts. <laughs> my faith was in what I saw. What I saw was a storm that was going to lead to my death. That's, that's what I was trusting in. Jesus' question is left hanging. Where is your faith? They can't answer Jesus' important question about where their faith is, but we're told this. Where is your faith, Jesus says, and they were afraid and they marveled. Notice, they're afraid now. They were afraid before. Why were they afraid before? Because there was a storm. Now, there's no storm. Everything's calm. Yet it says now they're afraid and they marvel. Why would they be afraid? I think they would be afraid because they're wondering about the power of the one who has more power than the storm. They're wondering who this might be. In fact, that's what they say to one another. Who then is this? He commands even winds and water and they obey him. Listen, these people, being Jewish, knew the scriptures and would have worshipped their God with the Psalms, Psalms like the one Pastor Nick read at the beginning of the service, Psalms like Psalm 135, which will be up on the screen. Psalm 135, 5-7 says this, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the cloud rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain, and brings forth the wind from His storehouses. Or Psalm 107, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. In their experience, the only one who could calm the waves and the winds is the one who brought the waves and the winds, and that was the Lord. Yet here they are in a boat, and their master, their rabbi, their teacher, just spoke to the winds and the waves, and they stopped. And so now they stand in fear, and they marvel, they wonder, and they ask a very important question, who then is this? I thought only God could do these things. Today's passage ends with a question. And so the sermon is going to end with some questions, three important questions for us as we look at this passage and we look to apply it to ourselves. Question number one, what storms do you see? 
What storms do you see? I began the sermon by asking us to think about how we are affected by powerful things outside of our control. I mentioned droughts, tornadoes, fires, accidents, the economy, markets, politics, war. Depending on your job and depending on how much you pay attention to the news, you might be fearful about any one or all of those things. You wonder, what happens if the value of our investments continues to go down while inflation continues to rise? You might be fearful. What happens if the wars in Ukraine and Israel don't stay in Ukraine and Israel? What happens if China escalates tensions with Taiwan? What's Iran up to behind the scenes and all of these other things? What about North Korea? What about all the challenges we have within our own borders? What if the drought next year is worse than the one this year? We see storms raging all around us, and so I ask you, what storms do you see? What powerful things that are a real danger outside of us that we have no control over do you see and potentially fear right now? And then a second question. It's the question Jesus asked the disciples. Where is your faith? The disciples, remember, saw the storm. They saw it up close and personal. It looks like for a time the storm was all that they saw. They saw a storm and All of their attempts to save themselves were not working. They saw danger. That's why they cried out to Jesus, we are perishing. Listen, if all you see are news headlines and weather reports and market reports and you trust the analysis and the forecasts of the experts, then you're going to fear. It's natural for us to put our faith in what we see and what we think might be coming. So if you're asked that question, where is your faith? How do you answer it? If you look and you see even in the eyes of the experts, there's fear. And by the way, this is the way the news media works, right? Of course, they're going to tell you things that they know will scare you. One station's going to, one guy, like he's going he's gonna to scare you with these things. The other people are going to scare you with another thing. But the whole goal in scaring you is making you think you've got to be in tune with what's going on because there's scary things. And then they can pay their, ad, adver, you know, get paid by advertisers, right? That's the way it works. But we're, we're already prone in ourselves to be fearful. There's things all around us that seem Fearful, because they're outside of our control, and we need to hear this question, where is your faith? Like, we know what the right answer is, but like, what's your honest answer? Is your faith in your 401k, or in your farm, or in your family? Is your faith in our government, in our military, in the experts? Is your faith in your ability to make things work, in your own intelligence, in your own experience? What's your honest answer? Again, I know, I know you know the right answer, but what's your honest answer? We know the right answer, but we don't always live like it. To this question, where is your faith? I'm pretty convinced of that. Not just because I see it in other people, I see it in me. We know the right answer to that question, where is your faith? But we don't always live like we know the right answer. 
instead of living with confidence in the power of Jesus over every danger and living with a proper fear of and faith in him, we live with more faith in the forecasts and more fear of the what-ifs. Church, let's, let's ask God to help us to fear him and trust him. We know that he has the power to calm the storm around us. We also know that he doesn't always choose to do it. He might allow the storm to continue to rage in order that you might be driven to answer that question honestly. Where is your faith? When it gets worse instead of better, where is your faith? I think we ought to probably read and watch less news, look at the forecast and the account balances less frequently, and look to Jesus more. Opening up the Word, prioritizing Christian fellowship, turning our eyes on Jesus, trusting that as we gaze upon Him, that the world around us will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. We need to answer that question honestly, where is your faith? And the storms brewing around us push us to do it. And then the third question is the question the disciples ask. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? We can only do answering the second question if we answer this final question correctly. We're not going to trust in the one that we don't know. It's the question the disciples ask one another. Who then is this? Let me talk for a moment to the curious person who's been coming to church for a while now, but hasn't yet put your faith in Jesus. Let me just ask you these questions. Do you know who he is? I'd love to talk to you about who he is. Do you know why you need him? I'd love to talk to you about that. Do you know that you're a sinner who cannot earn God's favor on your own? All you're doing is trying to move the sails around and bail out the bottom of the boat in the midst of a storm that's going to take you over. Do you know that like the disciples in the boat, you are in grave danger. They cried out, you're, we're perishing. That's the truth for all of us. One day we will die. And if our faith is not in Jesus, we will be forever separated from him. John 3.16, one of the most well-known Bible verses, uses that word perish. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Who is this Jesus? Well, he is the only Son of God. He is fully God. He is fully man. And he does have power over every danger. And he lived, and he died, and he rose again to conquer sin and death. And in him, and him alone, do we have life. So the question, where is your faith, is not just a question for somebody that's not yet a believer. The question, where is your faith, is a question for all of us. Who then is this? As we come to know Jesus more and more, do we grow in fear and decrease in faith, or do we grow in our fear of Him and increase in our faith in Him? Earlier we sang these words, Christ the sure and steady anchor as we face the wave of death. 
when these trials give way to glory and we draw our final breath, we will cross that great horizon. This is where our faith is. We know of the one who lived and who died, who rose again, who is coming back again for his own. We will cross that great horizon, clouds behind and life secured, and the calm will be the better for the storms that we've endured. Christ, the shore of our salvation, ever faithful, ever true, we will hold fast to the anchor. It will never be removed. This is what we hold on to, those questions. Where is your faith? Who then is this Jesus? We know who Jesus is. And as we come to know more and more of who he is and his great power, our fear of him grows and our trust in him grows. Where is your faith? Who is this Jesus? Questions for us to work through as we leave this week. Let's pray together. Father, would would you save someone here today who is perishing? Would you help them to see that all of their trying hard is like bailing water from a sinking boat? Would you help them to see that Jesus is their only hope? Would you give them a heart? that fears Him and trusts in Him. And for we who have been saved, I know by Your grace is many of us. That's why we're here today. Because You have saved us. Help us to put our faith in You daily, in the midst of a storm. Cause our faith to grow. Help us to trust You in the midst of the dangers we see all around us. Help us not to fear the storm, but help us to fear you. We are amazed that you love us. You, a perfect Savior who lived a sinless life, but come to save sinners like us, condemned, unclean. But by your grace, through faith in Christ, we can be made clean. We are grateful for the good news of the gospel, and it makes us want to sing. So help us to sing with joy now. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand.